Hi, this is May. And I'm Joy. Welcome to the QWERTY Writing Life Podcast, where we have candid chats about our creative lives. May and I are friends, writers, and creatives who want to share our endeavors out loud. On this podcast, we're here to encourage each other, and you too, and share tools we've discovered or made up, so you can follow your passions with a little support. So grab your tea, or your coffee, and let's get started. Hello, everyone. It's another week. Hello and welcome. Tonight, we are going to be talking about our creative insecurities. (laughs) But before we do that, we are going to talk to you about our creative weeks. So, Joy, what did you do? Well, this past week has been pretty much focused on finalizing PDFs for the 2021 Women in Publishing Summit, which May and I are are so excited to be part of this year. So uh, we get the opportunity to put together some little freebies to go along with our presentations, our workshops, and we cannot wait to share those. I'm pretty excited about them. So um, that's kind of been the majority of my week. I've had a lot of other things going on too. My, um, My author website was down for a bit due to a technical glitch. I'm pointing at myself for those of you who aren't watching this, Um, but it is back up and online thanks to my great webmaster who likes to laugh at me, but will come and, you know, dig me out of a jam, (laughs) which happens more often than I'd like to admit. (laughs) So anyway, lots of little things like that. So what about you, May? Tell me about your week. (laughs) It's been a lot of technical things going on at work. And just lots of long hours and things. So we had some big projects that are like annual big deal projects that had to be done. By doing it this year, I was able to kind of look back in the last four months and see all of the different projects that I've been tackling Mm -hmm. and putting those all into one place and with some action steps with them and ways to assess the results of the projects Uh, on on a regular basis was actually kind of something that I didn't put into my first draft thinking whenever I was making the projects and like starting to implement the projects. So it's been really good to see how not only do we need to say, hey, this is going to be a good idea, but we need to think about how we're going to accomplish those good ideas and also how we're going to measure those good ideas and then how we're going to use the results of that measurement. And so it was just, it it was kind of a good thing that I learned about, even though it was humbling as well. So there was that. And then there were a couple of things with Clay, my oldest son, that were just really neat. And so tonight before they went to bed and after homework, I was looking over like what they were going to be doing in school the next day. And one of them was going to be an English language test. And I was like, are you ready for this? And uh, I said, do you know about figurative language, specifically about similes and metaphors? Because it was on the list of things to be tested. And he was like, I don't really know about all that. And I was like, well, (laughs) I feel like your teacher has taught you. However, we're going to go over some similes and metaphors stuff, and I got to teach him about similes and metaphors, and I haven't taught in a really long time, guys, and I know that that's such a small thing, like, it's a, he's in elementary school, he's in second grade, super small, but he got it, and, like, his eyes lit up, and he was like, oh, okay, like, I get this, and then he started making some of his own, and he was having fun with it, 
It was really cute. It was really cute. He did uh, another project too. Gosh, he's been really inspirational this week. So there were, there are two other things, but I'm only going to tell you one more because we have to get on with this podcast. <laughs> um, so he did this research project and it was a living museum project and all of the classrooms that are in second grade participate in this living museum. Each student in the class does a research paper on a particular person. And Clay got Neil Armstrong as his research topic. Now, when he picked Neil Armstrong, he thought that he was a wrestler. And <laughs> not quite. A little different. Thankfully, he was not disappointed whenever he found out that he was an astronaut. <laughs> but there are multiple Neil Armstrongs. In, like, there's one Neil Armstrong in his class. But in the other classes, there are other Neil Armstrongs. So we're doing this project without the knowledge of what other Neil Armstrongs are doing. So just prefacing with that, he has to have a costume for this too. And in the note from home, it's like, you don't have to buy anything. You know, you can make it be creative. Like you can make a costume, just, you know, however you need to handle this. So we get on Amazon and we pick out some white butcher paper and some black duct tape and some white duct tape and marker like we we really like he's picked out all of the things you know I gave him a price limit he picked out all the things comes in the mail we make this thing over like a series of four days or something like that it was a process and he is creative director for sure I'm like the assistant I guess to him (laughs) And so he gets to the Living Museum, and all of the other Neil Armstrongs have bought astronaut costumes. And when he got home, he was like, Mom, I was so embarrassed. And I was like, no, (laughs) this is not okay. (laughs) So I, of course, went into mom mode, and I was like, I'm so proud of you. Because you had dedication to this project. Like you had to work on this for so many days and you had to design it. You had to go through the steps of of starting a project to finishing the project. You made a plan. You initiated the plan. It turned out great. You looked amazing. I'm so proud of you for using your creativity and for using your intellectual brain. You were so smart and so good. (laughs) full mom mode and like a whirlwind like tornado mom mode because that kid if he if he had any doubt that I how I felt about that project after that then he was not listening properly I just felt so bad because he wanted to fit in and and these ages you want to fit in so badly and you don't realize until you're an adult that that uniqueness and that um, that drive and that creativity and all of the things that make you you and an individual and all of those things, that's what's important. And in second grade, he just wanted to fit in when he is a stinking homemade astronaut costume. <laughs> <laughs> I hope that he can find the value in what he did because I was so, so proud. So he was very insecure About his creativity. (laughs) (laughs) That's a sneaky, perfect segue. (laughs) It's really sneaky, wasn't it? Uh, He didn't actually have insecurity with making his project. He was really geeked about making it. 
Um, but he did have insecurities afterwards. It was almost like product remorse or something. I'm not sure. And that might be another podcast. Yeah. I was <laughs> just thinking that's a whole other side to this creative insecurities. Yeah. Is it is so it does, it's not a perfect segue, but it does kind of get us into the topic that we were going to talk about tonight. So, when we were doing the series for our remembering 2020 and preparing for 2021, I spoke like a sentence about how on the creative retreat Joy and I went on in December, how I actually came into that space with creative insecurity. So we decided after we finished that episode that we would take that one sentence and turn it into a new episode because we felt like this could be fleshed out a little bit more. So here we are. And um, Joy is going to talk about like her background on what this looks like for her. All right. So, you know, really for the majority of my life, I did not think of myself as as a creative person, like at all. When I began my career as a journalist, I had these few little fleeting moments <laughs> where I entertained the notion of pursuing my childhood dream of authorship. And I say few and fleeting because I literally remember one night in my house um, where I was like, you know what? I can make this work. I can do this, right? This is this was my dream as a kid, so maybe I could actually do this. So I open up my PC laptop, right, and I sit down at my desk, and um, I try to come up with a story. I kind of try to come up with a story, <laughs> and I got like a few sentences out over the course of like maybe 30 minutes. I mean, I really did not spend much time on this, and it was, it was not anything good. It was not anything original. It was just kind of, I don't even know what it was because I don't remember. It was just that delightful. And so I was like, well, all right, very well then. I'm not creative. <laughs> Back to journalism. <laughs> so <laughs> that was kind of, <laughs> yeah, I was like, all right, I tried it. I gave it a shot. All right, we're good. <laughs> So, um, you know, I just went right on back to watching TV with my cat. <laughs> but I think that um, part of the reason, now that I am an author, I think part of the reason that I chose to begin my fiction career with realistic fiction um, was it felt comfortable to me. It was easy for me to be creative uh, when I'm writing about real life things that I could have potentially written about as a reporter. Um, I even included a few scenes and characters that came from articles that I wrote, not verbatim, of course, but um, just certain people and things that happened over my time as a reporter that just kind of became part of my heart um, that were just super inspirational people that I got the opportunity to meet during that time. Um, so when the idea for my fantasy series came to me and Fairies started sitting on my shoulder and whispering. <laughs> to say mm -hmm. that I was surprised would be the understatement of the century. So now I have characters, I've got whole worlds, I've got events and scenarios and even languages that have come to life in my mind, and it is the coolest thing ever. But <laughs> you know what? Even though I've experienced that and I know what I'm capable of and, I, and I've seen now that I actually am or can be creative, right? Um, I find myself frequently frozen in terror of losing that ability or of it being some sort of a fluke or something like that. Uh, so every time I start a new project and <laughs> every time I start a new phase of a project, every time I am approached about speaking or 
um, just whatever the case may be, anything new comes up, I start something new, that creative insecurity really sets in. Something important that you like that you allude to in here is that you took something that you were comfortable with and you took like a, a one one little step into your creativity. And I, I feel like that was a really smart joy. Like I felt like you knew yourself. I know that you were struggling with like what book to write and you had two or three book options in front of you. And then picking this one was probably like the best thing that you could have done in order to propel you forward to have that little bit of comfort, but also have that little bit of um, excitement and a little bit of fear all at the same time. And like, it's the perfect chemical combination to have any good thing. Um, I totally agree. And it's funny because, you know, obviously I didn't realize that as I was doing it, as I was making yeah, that this decision. Is whole retrospection. Yeah, yeah, it is. It really is. But that was the the best decision for me, like you said. I mean, I I also I said it where my characters are a year younger than me. So like a lot of the things um that they experienced, I experienced, you know, just a year ahead. Uh, so mm-hmm. I experienced the whole nine eleven thing in a classroom, in a history classroom actually. Um, which is one of my characters. I I have her in her history classroom. She's a senior in high school. I was a freshman in college. Um, You know, so there, there were those things that were, were definitely very realistic. So I was able to be creative, but to be creative in a comfortable way. So yeah, definitely a retrospective. Wow. That was a good decision. Pat me on the back. (laughs) (laughs) So um, looking back for me, I think the most recent thing was definitely the retreat, but just, I mean, a moment before that, like not even a month before that we went to, we were driving to, I can't remember where we were taking a little family thing. And while I was getting, getting ready for this little family vacation, uh, I had this thought come into my mind. It was a story thought about, Um, these group of characters and how they were grouped together and how it was all like how this could work out and how it could be a series. But oh, wait, oh, wait, Megan doesn't write series. So maybe it could be a trilogy or a duology. Maybe we could just do two characters with this group and it would be fine. You know, like it all would work out. And then I was like, yeah, that sounds better. That feels a little more comfortable. Like, okay, that, that maybe that'll work. Um, and then I had this epiphany to how that story idea would actually flow really, really well as a, like a spinoff to the trilogy that I'm writing over here. And oh my gosh, that's a series. So I can't do that. How can I make this work? So I'm putting boundaries <laughs> on myself because I'm insecure about writing series. So I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm not a series writer. Who says I'm not a series writer? Like <laughs> I said, I'm not a series writer. So who told who no? <laughs> you know, like... <laughs> Kind of like I said that I would never, ever, ever write fantasy. Yeah, <laughs> you, you literally told me this might be a verbatim quote. <laughs> <laughs> you literally told me that J.R. Tolkien wrote the most perfect fantasy series ever. So why should I even try? <laughs> that is exactly. <laughs> and I still kind of feel that way. <laughs> So, I mean, like it was, you shut yourself down, like right there from the beginning. And I was shutting, I was trying to, to take this wonderful idea and put it into a box that I had made for myself. And then I was like, wait a minute, could I, could I do this? 
I don't know. Do I dare? Like, do I dare try? I don't know. And I got really nervous about it. And I was like, but wait. I mean, so the new idea has an apartment complex in it. The old idea has people building an apartment complex. I'm just saying. (laughs) (laughs) This may be the same idea. (laughs) So I really had to like check my mindset. I had to rethink who I am as a writer, like what I do as a writer. And, you know, I had, I had to kind of, is this, is this true? Like, is this a truth about me? Is this a belief that is real? Or is this some sort of misbelief that I've created for myself? And that was a big thought. Like it was a, a like a revolutionary, revolutionary kind of thought. Mm-hmm to me, um, that I was still holding myself back and it was unconscious that I didn't even know I was doing it. And it was definitely creative insecurity for sure. So that's that. And then when we went into the retreat, just maybe a month later or something like that, I had not written in a really long time because I started this job and I was just going into my third month in this, in this new position. There was not a lot of creating, not a lot of writing time during those months. And I had, I had been separated from writing, from, from doing creative things, honestly, for a few months. And so when I went into this retreat, I had a list of things that I wanted to accomplish and I did not feel very creative. <laughs> In fact, I was wondering, God, like, can, do I still have it? Like, is it still there? Is it something that goes away if I work too hard in other areas? Like, if I do I have the middle capacity for this still with all of these other things floating around in my brain? Like, there was a lot of insecurity going on there. And so... Every time I would write something, I would like have to stop myself from running down to where you were and be like, is this good? (laughs) Does this work? (laughs) And it really was. It was like that. And so um, I know I came to you a lot, but just know that it could have been more. (laughs) Good to know. Good to know. So, and I appreciate you. I appreciate you so much because you were never like, okay, I really need to get back to my stuff. Um, I did try to be respectful. I hope I was. Um, sure. But, you know, like the reason I came to you when I did come to you was because I didn't know, like I didn't know anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, my insecurities had kind of taken over a little bit, my sense of judgment. And so I needed some outside help. Yeah, but we got there and we definitely got the creativity flowing for sure. Yeah, we certainly did. Yeah, we did. We'll talk about that in a little bit, but <laughs> yeah, it was fun. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's interesting too, because I, I was definitely dealing with some of the same um, types of insecurities that weekend as well. And a lot of it did stem from the fact that it had been quite a while for me too, for writing. <clears throat> and I think that these insecurities definitely are worse or maybe a little harder to overcome 
when you have had such a, a break from mm-hmm. the opportunity to be creative. Um, I mean, I, I definitely know it's like that for me, <clears throat> but, um, I kind of, <laughs> I kind of tend to have these like moments of, it's like frozen terror. <laughs> it's the best way to describe it. <laughs> and it's, it's usually for me, it's usually when I'm starting a new project. Um, it, it's also when I'm going to the next phase, you know, because there is such a huge difference between drafting or outlining and planning, drafting, revising, editing. Each one of these phases is very different. Um, so it is, it, it is in between each phase as well, but I have to make myself keep going. That's kind of the thing. So if I allow myself to stop for too long, <laughs> I end up falling down a well of despair and depression, quite literally, oh, okay. without a lassie to bark a rescue my way. <laughs> oh my goodness. That's really what it feels like. <laughs> so as I've kind of looked back and I've thought about, because you know, for this episode, I wanted to think, okay, well, what, what do I do? How do I move past this? You know, I have to have, I mean, obviously I'm not still down a well somewhere. Mm. So I have to have something that, that has worked. So the first step that I do is I uh, remind myself of what I've accomplished already. And sometimes it is so easy to forget about those things. Um, you know, I've, I've written things and I've done things in my creative life that quite honestly, I don't think about on a daily basis and I just kind of forget about them often. Mm -hmm. So when I start pulling these things up again, I'm like, oh yeah, I did do that. (laughs) You know, and, and sometimes it's, um, I don't know, it, it surprises me and then it kind of perks me up. And then from there, I remember my process. So how I prep or outline or research, how I draft or revise or edit, you know, whichever stage I happen to be on. And then um, from there, I take some time to make sure I have everything that I need to begin the next stage of my project. Not to be procrastinating the starting, but to make sure that I am prepared um, because you don't want to start something if you're not really prepared to do it. Because then that becomes the hurdle and it can, you know, kind of knock you back off track again and those insecurities will creep back back in. So make sure that I have everything that I need for that stage and then I just do it. And without fail, once I get myself started, I'm golden until the next stage paralyzes me again. <laughs> but as long as I can get myself going and I get into it, then, you know, I've kind of passed the the bump, so to speak. Yeah. That's all really, really good reflection. And, and I love that we have these moments because of the podcast, mm-hmm. um, but also because we need them in our lives in order to reflect on the things that have kind of plagued us in the past and mm-hmm. how we actually got over it. If you can actually get over this, at least in that moment, and we can try to repeat that process the next time we come up with creative insecurities. So yeah, that's awesome. Um, for the retreat, this one was kind of fun actually, because there was creative insecurity and it was actually making me procrastinate gets getting started writing on the thing. So I, did not actually start writing until after we had 
come to creativity from kind of a sneaky angle. <laughs> we we were sitting there, and I think maybe Joy was playing some music or something like that. And I was like, oh, I really like that song. And she was like, oh, it's so and so. And I was like, have you heard of this song? And so we got we started going like back and forth for almost an hour, if not more, mm-hmm. um, on songs that we love and have you heard this band have you heard this singer that sort of thing oh wait a minute this is my favorite and I sing every word to the song that we just talked about it was <laughs> so much fun and what we were doing we were we were listening to music yes we were being affected by the um by the melody of course but mostly what we were doing was analyzing the lyrics which is writing a story <laughs> So we kind of came at creativity from a bit of a sneaky angle, just a whole new perspective. And after I started dancing around a little bit and loving on these songs and saying why I love these songs and why this song doesn't quite work out for me and, you know, all of that kind of stuff and just really started just embracing and enveloping myself in creativity, then I was able to sit down and I wrote like two whole poems, two whole poems. In one night, it was insane. That's kind of how I came at it, and like how I how I got over that. Regarding the series, that was a whole. That one was a little bit more difficult because it was a mindset shift. So I had created a mindset that labeled me as someone who writes duologies or trilogies, and none and nothing more than that. And then when I had a series idea, I was like, oh, not for me. And that was kind of a subconscious thing too. I might have said it out loud. I don't recall. But either way, that really made me stagnate, right? Mm-hmm. Because say even saying it out loud made me that thing in stone. So having this idea made me realize that I am adaptable and I am allowed to change my mind. Yeah. And I'm allowed to write series if I dang well please. So <laughs> <laughs> it was a mindset shift I had Set, my, set myself here, and I had to, first of all, break down that mindset, realize that I was the one who put limitations on myself, and then remove those limitations for this new idea to come in and let it be an option. So what about for brand new projects, like something that you haven't done before? How do you approach those? I don't really have an, that big of an issue with starting new projects. Starting, I, I normally have that new idea momentum where I'm writing down characters, and I'm fleshing things out, and I'm loving these scenes, and so I go ahead and jot down those, and I'm writing down dialogue, and this is going to be amazing, and you know all of these things. So I normally have a decent amount of momentum whenever it's when it goes to starting a project, if it's a project that I'm not super duper intimidated with. If it's a project that I'm super duper intimidated with and I have no idea where to start and this is not my field and technology is terrible and (laughs) I have all of these things that are happening, then I generally start with research. Hmm. And so I start with just like knowledge is the thing that's going to get us started here. So we need to have this bottom line research. So I research. And then I get even more scared because the research is scary. And so I research more. (laughs) And then I research some more, some more. And I end up procrastinating with research because I'm, I'm fearful about this new project. So I have this theory of fear 
and I think it was like season one, episode five or something like that, that explains it further if you guys want to hear more about it. But uh, I have an image in my mind of what the woman I want to be looks like. And then I have this image of who I am. And then I take this thing, this decision that's before me that is causing me great fear. And I take that fear as a trigger to analyze this decision and see which woman that decision helps me be. So if it fosters the person that I am, then it's probably something that I don't want to do. If it is another stepping stone toward the woman that I want to become, then that's probably scary because I really, really, really want to do it. And so I have to decide, like, am I in mortal danger? If the answer is no, then I move to the reflections. Does this look more like the person that I am or does it look more like the person I want to become? And if it looks more like the person I want to become, then I try to do it along with the fear. What about you? How do you handle <laughs> first? Are, so if your first projects must be different from your projects that are already in, in place. Yeah, I mean, I'm just thinking like, brand new something brand new so something like if I'm trying to write in a different genre or um write first person instead of you know third person like I'm I'm used to or or something like that um or even something more technical like you know how to make hyperlinked pdfs that could be a media kit like that took me forever to figure out Mm -hmm. (laughs) or you know landing pages or you know like all these technical things too something that I'm not comfortable with something that I haven't done before. Um, and it's really the same as what you were saying with, you know, first of all, you got to admit that you're out of your element and mm-hmm. that you have some things to learn. And I think that that's a huge first step because sometimes we don't like to admit that we don't just automatically know how to do everything, which of course we don't, but for whatever reason, our hubris wants to act like we can just pick up and do whatever. But, um, we have to learn new things because they're new things. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, you know, once we admit that we don't know how to do that, then we figure out how we learn how. And, you know, that's such a great thing about our digital age. I mean, with the shortcomings that it has, the the drawbacks <laughs> to that, um, we can come up with a gazillion articles and videos on how to do pretty much anything. Um So that's really where I go is to, uh, if it's something specific to writing, so I look up books or short stories that are written in the way that I'm attempting to to do um, and kind of study those, analyze those, um, things like that. I read frequently asked questions, you know, that you can find anywhere, help desk articles. um, Forums also can be a really great place to find, especially for like technical things and stuff like that. Uh, so, you know, just going to those places and, and getting the information. And like you said, research can become a procrastination tool. So it's the fine line, definitely a fine line of like, (laughs) okay, you know, (laughs) I've got to get the information and make sure that, yeah, get the information, (laughs) get out (laughs) for sure. For sure. So yeah, that's, that's definitely the way that, that I would approach that. And I do find it fun because I love to learn new things. I really do. So yeah. even when it's 
those technical things and I'm like, oh my word. Like if I have to read another thing that talks about some sort of code that I don't really understand, I'm going to just blah. But mm-hmm. still I'm learning something and that's exciting. And um, yeah, I like that. So yeah. I think that the important thing for us to realize in this and the thing that I think both of us really wanted to relay to you guys is that we're not alone. Every single one of us faces this. I think without exception, pretty much every creative who I've either heard speak or have read some of their writing, they have all at some point talked about this creative insecurity or, um, you know, you also hear about the uh, imposter syndrome, you know, all of these things where you just have these moments where you don't, you know, can I really still do this? Do I really still have what it takes? Um, so you're not alone. And also this feeling isn't going to just go away. So um, knowing that we're going to come up against this over and over is something important to understand because we can figure out how we can tackle it when it comes so that we can then move on. So just like May and I did with kind of looking back and reflecting on these things and thinking about how we overcame them, that's us verbalizing our steps that we take to continue in our creative journeys. And that's something that I think we all need to do so that we can continue producing our art. Absolutely. Yeah. Just being able to say, you know, Mm -hmm. this is reality and owning the fact that you feel that way and that this is the situation that you're in instead of being in denial about it. That's a huge, huge deal in any of these cases. We talk about a lot. We've talked about a lot of things in the last 85 episodes or so. And a lot of what we talk about is just being like, yeah, this is real. Yes, I have this issue. Yes, I feel this way. So that you can take the next step and learn about yourself. You know, Be introspective. Figure out ways to help you get out of these places. And because we all are individuals and we all have different personalities, all of our answers are not are always going to be different. So a dance party might not work for you. Research might not work for you. Like <laughs> you, you know you and you know what lights you up whenever you get your hands on it. And that's what we're looking for here. So if you cannot own the fact that you are having creative insecurities at the moment, then you're never going to be able to move past it. So we encourage you, first of all, if you feel like you might be in the place where we have been and have described to you in this episode, like just be like, yeah, this exists and I'm in it. And then you can move on to the QWERTY challenge. Yeah. So here's our challenge for you. Think of times when you faced these creative insecurities. How have you been able to move on from those times? What gave you the kick in the britches you needed? (laughs) What made you even realize that you were stalled by insecurity? Verbalize or write down what got you through. I think that that's an important step, you know, just Mm -hmm. actually putting that out there. Claim it 
so that next time you can put those steps into action as soon as you face this again. Or perhaps you are stuck in a stalled situation and you're unsure of how to move past your insecurities. So if this is you, we would encourage you to take some time to analyze what has you stuck. Okay, maybe ask yourself a few questions like, what are you afraid of? What's slowing you down? What's getting in your way? And once you kind of start to answer some of those questions, start thinking through some ways that you can overcome them. You know, what are some steps that you can take to move forward? I hope that everybody who's listening has a wonderful, wonderful week. For sure. Have a great, great week. Yeah. And go make something. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening until the end. Seriously, you're a trooper. Do you think pretty writing life is the bomb? May, you just said the bomb. Don't you censor me. If you think Cordy Writing Life rocks ice for real, oh my word. please rate, review, and share us with others. If you have questions about this week's episode or want to start a conversation, you can reach us by visiting partywritinglife.podbean.com. We'll be back next week with more candid chats for you.